In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about being Renfielded, vampire fanboying, resurrecting arithmomania, and a hip-hop horse in a torture chamber (laughs) in our discussion of certain dark things by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. I'm so proud of myself. Daddy, I want a hip-hop horse and a vampire in my torture chamber. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. You sound really suspicious and up to something. (laughs) It's fine. I'm not up to anything. Okay. Well, today we're going to discuss certain dark things by Sylvia Marino Garcia. Standard disclaimer. Oh, I need to do it quickly again. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. <laughs> the last part is like, and it's and it's not real words. No, it's really. It turns into some kind of like jazz freeform jazz almost. uh yeah there's some uh bebopping yeah and some scatting that there's happens. nearly a beatbox in there nearly i feel like the next time in the next episode if i remember i should just like make sounds in the same pattern that i speak and see if anyone notices we can do some kind of scientific experiment we can do, and do we people will. understand the spoiler <laughs> alert better when it is not verbalized and it. just noises <laughs> It's like the T's and C's when like they're adding weird stuff about aliens and and things and nobody ever reads them, but you agree to them. Uh-uh. Yeah, like of it. course. Let's do it. Yeah, that's how it is. Anywho, getting back on topic, do we have background information <laughs> for this week's book? We do. Um uh, can, I can I just say that I really liked the ebook of this because it had lots of good stuff at the end of it. Oh. Did you look at the end of the like the the back matter of the ebook? I didn't even. Or did look you at the only e-book? listen to I just it? listened to the audio book. And I will admit, to, I listened to it very quickly. Right. Yeah. Because we always do. Uh, but the the end of the ebook had an encyclopedia of the different types of vampires in the book oh. and r- recipes for drinks and like a chat with the author. And discussion questions. So there's a lot of good back matter. And this is where my background info came from. But I had to mention this because of the month that we're discussing it is Angels and Demons Month. So that's just my preface. Okay. For why I pulled this bit from the back matter. Of now the, the nefarious little smile at the beginning makes sense. Because I'm talking about angels and I know that uh, with all just, my heart and soul that uh, you love angels. So freaking much. <laughs> you love them so much. And that is why I included this bit of information. Anyway. There's a question, or there's there's lots of words, and then it's it ends setup. with a question. It ends with a question okay. mark, which is what's important. So the setup is, I like that. Let's talk about sexiness for a moment. <laughs> the sexiness in certain dark things is alloyed with awkwardness and dread. Awkwardness. <laughs> awkwardness right here. <laughs> 
which the interviewer likes. But they actually want to ask about sexy wing reveal scenes in other media. They're just the best, aren't they? And then what's your favorite sexy wing reveal scene? And then her Sylvia Moreno Garcia's response was in that 1980s, Wings of Desire had these angels in trench coats, and at one point you see their wings. It's just briefly there, and the film is beautiful and quiet, and it goes from marvelous black and white to color. The Prophecy came out in 1995, and it's an imperfect movie with some perfect moments. And some of the perfect moments involve angels perching like birds atop chairs. There's something bird-like when Christopher Walken is moving around. It makes perfect sense. He used to be a professional dancer, so he has this great physicality. I'm pretty sure Constantine used that film as inspiration, and it also has a great winged moment with Tilda Swinton. So, yeah, people with wings! Not used enough in literature these days. Probably. I like the end. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) It's not used, probably. (laughs) I mean, as we will find out, you can have wings and not be an angel. That's true. Not be a a hottie angel with weird incestuous relationships. You can have wings and, in fact, be a vampire. Yes. And not be a exciting. Being chased after a weird stalker girl. Yes. Yeah. So because it's Angels and Demons Month, it's the end of Angels and Demons Month. So I thought we needed to just wrap it up nicely, like wings, just being folded in the wings. Do you know, I wonder if I don't like wings is because I'm not a favorite of birds. I like I mean, some birds, but I don't like terrified a lot of birds. Of most birds. Birds are evil in the most part. Yeah. I like yeah. but. Like, I, I do like a lot of birds, but I like I don't like most of them. And I'm wondering if that's why I had an aversion to angels, the wings. Is that your initial thought? <sighs> uh, no, my initial of... thought is, thank God there's no angels in this. <laughs> no, that's what you said last time. It still stands. <laughs> I stand by my statement. <laughs> that's what you said It bears last repeating. Time. <laughs> I will see I it next week as well. <laughs> you probably will. I think not not really an initial thought, but more of a preface that there are lots of unique words in Oh, this you're apologizing book. for and me. <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying it out loud right now that well, no, because I didn't really include a lot of them in the summary because it's Aztec, and that's hard. That's hard to say. So, yeah, we may or may not butcher some words in the summary, and it's fine. Because even though we both listened to the audiobook, which is about to just completely negate what I'm saying, that when we mispronounce things, it means we, you know, learned it by reading. But well, we listened to the, the audiobook. So that may or may mm, not be a lie, well, but it is a lie. No, it isn't because I listened to the audiobook at higher speed, so technically I'm not hearing the words correctly, but also we need to talk about the narration in the discussion. We do. So we this do, is part one will. of the statement, part two, yeah. that you see after summary. Yes, very good. Okay. Should we begin? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Domingo. 
is 17 and lives in the subway tunnels of Mexico City. He pushes the shopping cart of garbage he collects everywhere he goes. On the night we meet him, he meets Atl, a beautiful young woman with a genetically modified Doberman, and he is precious. <laughs> Domingo follows her onto the subway just to look at her because he likes people watching. She asks him if he'd like to come home with her. That's uh, not really Domingo's thing, but for some reason, he agrees. At Adel's dingy apartment, she reveals she is a Tlawi Pochli, an Aztec vampire, and that she needs fresh blood. Domingo thought that Mexico City was free of vampires, but here's Adel! He offers his blood, and she semi-transforms into some sort of bird thing before drinking from him. The next day, she tells him he'll need to eat foods rich in iron and pays him for his services. Adel is in Mexico City looking for Veronica, her mother's old, well, Renfield, for lack of a better term. Everybody mm-hmm. knows what a Renfield is. Everybody knows what a Renfield is. Though Adel hates thinking of assistance like that. Adel is the second daughter of her clan, so she has been used to drinking blood and getting whatever she wanted. But now, her mother Sentua and her sister Izal, her mother's favourite, are dead. Adel is not sure where Veronica is. Maybe the States. Maybe Guatemala. But she doesn't have ID or papers, so she's not going to be able to get across any borders. She decides to go get some food to put in her house. She doesn't eat, but if anyone comes snooping, they'll be less likely to think she's a vampire with a tin of tuna in her cupboards. (laughs) In the shop, (laughs) some teens are being idiot teens. And then the cops show up. Uh Uh-oh, they can't ask her for ID. Also, oh no, the teen dropped the candy he was eating and Adel has the urge to count it. (laughs) Just stay calm. Don't count the candy. Don't do it. They'll go away. A cop approaches and she says she's not with the teens, so he goes on his way. <laughs> Don't count the candy. Freaking love that bit. <laughs> yes, counting. Rodrigo is out looking for Nick, the arrogant Necros vampire he must protect. <gasps> they are supposed to be looking for Adol. Well, they wouldn't have to be looking for her if Nick hadn't let her get away, but he did, and now here they are. Nick is at a club looking for girls, but he should not be out. Rodrigo drags Nick back to his apartment. Rodrigo chastises Labola for letting Nick out of his sight, but now Labola has to get Nick a pizza. Everyone, please be aware that Nick is a motherfucker. Yes. And nobody likes him. Yes, he really is. Domingo takes his money he got from Atle and goes to buy the bath house for a two-hour bath with lots of good-smelling shampoo Ah, and a lovely towel as well. Then buys new clothes, the first new clothes he's ever purchased, and a watch for Atle, and then goes by her apartment to offer it to her. She brings him inside and realises he might make a good Renfield, her first. She accepts the watch, they go out to eat, And when they come back to her apartment, she asks him to be her friend. She drinks his blood 
and then she offers him her own. Renfield deal sealed. <laughs> you have been Renfielded. You have been, been Renfielded. Renfielded. You have been Renfielded. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is tired of being inside and mad that Adel got away. And he's mad that she killed members of his family. He knows Labola and Rodrigo are in the other room, so he can't leave through the front door. So he goes to the bathroom, opens the tiny window, and scales down the side of the building like a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> He's a necros vampire with traditional vampire abilities and, you know, teeth. Not Aztec, like Adol with her claws and stinger. He's better than she is. He goes to a club, convinces a girl to pretend to be Adol with his mind control powers, and takes her outside. She's not Adol at all. He drains her and throws her in a pile of trash. He is the be pile of trash. He is a pile of trash. Domingo wakes up and Adol gives him juice to give him some strength back. She asks him to look for a man called Bernard Ber Bernardino. I was going to go total British there, Bernardo. Bernardino. <laughs> <laughs> Since she can't. She gives him his address and a piece of jade and asks him to ask Bernardino to help her find Veronica, her mother's former associate, who helped smuggle things across various borders. Bernardino's the only one who can help her, but first they need to rest. Attle lets Domingo sleep on the mattress in her bedroom while she snuggles cosily into her closet burrow. Domingo wants to learn everything he can about real vampires, the ones in comics, and has just learned that apparently Mexican vampires sleep in closets. <laughs> the more you know. Every day is an education. All Mexican vampires sleep in closets. <laughs> it's just a fact. It's a fact of life. It sounds quite cosy, actually. You know, having a little nest. Yeah, it's dark. Just Snuggle up Detective Anna looks at the body of the girl from the club and knows immediately that she was killed by a necros vampire. But she didn't think that there were any vampires in Mexico City. This one is probably long gone by now. Uh, spoiler alert, he is not long gone. <laughs> Anna came to Mexico City to get away from all the vampire killings, but here she is investigating this one. It's not like any of the rest of the police officers are going to do anything. Anna goes home, hoping the forensic team will check out the body before it's taken to the morgue, but probably not. She thinks about what she would do if her own daughter, 17-year-old Marisol, were, you know, found like that. Ooh. Marisol is mad at her mother for not having bought groceries or a new school uniform for her, but money is tight. Marisol is ungrateful. Marisol is a little bit of a bitch. Marisol needs a slap. Sometimes you gotta slap a bitch. Sometimes you gotta slap a bitch. Domingo goes to the address Atle gave him and finds a creepy old house with Bernardino, who isn't a man but a revenant vampire inside. Revenants are old and twisted but can read minds and heal people if they choose to. They also live by sucking their life force out of whomever they feed on, humans or vampires. Bernardino refuses to help Atle because he doesn't know her, and Veronica, the woman she wants him to find, who will know he sent her and no one should know he's here in Mexico City. 
Domingo pleads, saying Attle needs help. It's a matter of life and death. So Bernardino sends him on his way with a different name written on a note. Elisa Carrara. Anna really wants to solve this case. She goes for a coffee break, and at the cafe, she's greeted by a woman dressed entirely in red. Great. A gang member. Kika is a member of Deep Crimson, one of the human gangs that runs Mexico City, and she and all the other human gangs do not want vampires coming in and messing everything up, especially Nick Godoy. They're after him and the girl he is chasing, Adel. Anna isn't really interested in helping out a gang, but mentions of money start to change her mind a little bit. Kika tells Anna that she can set up a meeting with her boss to get her all the information she needs. Rodrigo is pissed that Nick obviously left the house and hit someone the night before. He goes into Nick's room, pulling the curtains away to give Nick a sun rash. Hilarious. <laughs> Nick's father is Rodrigo's boss, and he thinks Nick is ready for this kind of task, chasing down just one vampire girl in the city. But, frankly, Nick clearly isn't. No. He's, he's an entitled dick. Mm. Rodrigo tells Nick he's in charge, and if he goes out of line again, his punishment will be worse than Sunrash. Domingo takes Adol to an internet cafe that won't ask them for their papers and won't likely be searched by sanitation, a group similar to the police that search places making sure that no one is sick and that also no one is a vampire. Adol looks up the name written on the paper Bernardino gave Domingo and discovers that Veronica has apparently changed her name to Elisa. With her contact information found, Adol wants to leave. On their way out, they encounter Quinto, Domingo's friend. Quinto works for the Jackal, the person Domingo used to work for, taking care of his dogs that have been injured in fights. Because not only is the Jackal a drug dealer, but he also runs dogfights. Stand-up gentleman, the jackal. Quinto is sleazy about Adol, and she's not interested at all. So they leave. Before this, and now on the way to Domingo's place, he and Adol talk about vampires. She is an Aztec vampire and part of a drug family and is on the run from another vampire drug family, the Godoys, because they killed her mother and sister. Domingo wants to know more about vampires, like if Atle is part of a harem, or if she has a big vampire boyfriend and a kit waiting for her somewhere. <laughs> Do you? Do you? Do you? And he is not subtle in his questions. No. She does not, and she's not interested in a boyfriend, especially a human one, she tells herself. She leaves Domingo in his home in the tunnels underground and tells him to meet up with her before sundown. I love, like, how clueless Domingo is. And he's like, I like to read comic books about vampires. So t tell me everything. It's important. I need to know everything. I can imagine him picking up a particular issue and throwing it out of face, like really too close and going, is this accurate? Yeah. Do you do this? Do you, can you do this? What about page 16? Can you do this? <laughs> no, dude. No, dude. Nah, Bless. Nah, he's enthusiastic nah. though, you know? He is. You can't, you can't discount that. No. Anna goes to the meeting set up by Kika and meets the leader of Deep Crimson. Kika is there too, and they discuss what they want from Anna to kill both vampires, Nick and Adol. 
Anna claims she is no Van Helsing, what they call vampire hunters in the UK. But then they offer to pay her a great deal of money as a consultant. So she agrees if they will pay her half up front. They do. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Anna has actually killed several vampires before and might be the only person in Mexico City with the knowledge necessary to kill them. So she actually kind of is a Van Helsing, whether she wants to be or not. Yeah, she's badass. She's a vampire hunter. (laughs) She's not a vampire herself, though. (laughs) Just clear that up. Okay. Not a vampire vampire hunter. There we go. I was waiting for that. Yep. Domingo meets back up with Atle, who isn't doing so well. She's used to feeding whenever and wherever she wants, as much as she wants. But now, ah, yeah, she's got to control herself. She could just eat Domingo, but she doesn't want to. She actually kind of wants to keep him safe. She doesn't want him to be a boyfriend or anything, which she thinks in her dead sister, Easel's voice is, like, ridiculous because dating human? Ew! Mm, mm, mm. But you know what else is ridiculous? Yeah, talking to your dead sister. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, she's just really losing it. <laughs> she is losing it right now, currently. Oh, bless. This next part is my favourite, and I apologise in advance for the high-pitched squeeing that's going to happen. I'll turn the volume down my earphones. <laughs> Domingo and Adol travel to meet the woman Bernardino sent them to find. On the subway, Adol's hands begin to shake. She needs to eat because her sugar level is dropping. Apparently, when vampires don't feed, they have hypoglycemic episodes. <laughs> that's a diabetes thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, excuse me, I shouldn't be happy that people have, you know, diabetic. No, it's representation, life. it matters. <laughs> I guess you're right. Okay, I'm done now. They make it to Elisa's office, and Adol convinces her to help get her and Domingo across the border into Guatemala. They agree to meet a week later to retrieve their papers and get a ride. This woman definitely used to be Veronica, definitely used to work for Adol's mother. And now that her mother's dead, she claims. She owes them no allegiance. But somehow Adol's able to convince her to help. Does she say please? Maybe. Does she offer her money? Half up front. Half up front. Money and a polite manner can get you a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly the money. Mostly the money, yeah. When they get back to the apartment, Atal is feeling very weak, so Domingo offers his blood, but Atal refuses and lies down. Domingo offers to bring her some tea, and when he touches her, he has a vision of a turtle and running across a fence and holding a gun and them holding a severed head. Atal tells him that he is seeing her memories, which is what happens when they share blood. Surprise! Side effects! <laughs> Nick is pissed because Rodrigo has confined him to his room and is only letting him drink blood bags. He would much rather drink Adol. He remembers when he first met her in a club and she turned him down because he, you know, 100% obviously was a shitbag. He, of course, got offended because she didn't want to sleep with him and also threatened to cut his dick. (laughs) 
now. He calls his father, who's like the biggest drug-dealing vampire around, and says he wants to keep Adel and torture her. His father says he'll think about it. <laughs> but Daddy, I really want a hip-hop horse and a vampire in my torture chamber. God, what an absolute <laughs> asshole. I love that he's very extremely posh and British. But father, I want a horse in my torture chamber. I can't remember. It's it's from a British skit where the guy where there's an entitled child and all he wants is a, a hip hop horse, and I can't remember which what it is. But yeah, I want a hip hop horse. It's ridiculous. In my torture chamber. In my torture chamber. <laughs> We know my accents should not be done in any kind of recorded facility <laughs> slash aired onto the internet forever. So you're getting posh Brit because at least I can take oh, a mick out of myself. Father! I want a hip-hop horse. But it has to be in my torture chamber. In my torture chamber with, my, with the vampire. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> when Domingo wakes up the next day Atle is still asleep so he goes out for a bite to eat and when he gets back there are sanitation workers doing a sweep of the building which definitely isn't good for Atle he nonchalantly rushes up to the apartment and wakes Atle she hears the crew coming so she climbs up on the roof Domingo greets the workers pretending that he lives there with his dog who is obviously Atle's dog called Koali. But he doesn't have papers or ID because, you know, he's only a wee baby of 17. The sanitation workers make sure he's not infected with any diseases, which is nice. <laughs> and also quite dystopian future. And tell him he's got to get registered. Him and his dog. He says he will. Atle comes back inside, kind of in bird form, completely with feathers, and devours a box of sugar cubes. Domingo offers his blood, which she accepts after some convincing. They talk about how she feeds with a proboscis. It's a lovely word. And Domingo wants to ask a million more questions because of course you would want to. But, you know, there's something they need to do first. Atle and Domingo leave the apartment to acquire a gun. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we cannot talk about my feeding proboscis right now because we have to go and get a gun. And hip-hop holes. <laughs> and hip-hop holes for my torture day, Mars. <laughs> Domingo, we've latched. Domingo takes Adol to somebody he knows from when he used to be a street kid and Adol is able to get a very big, very fancy double-barreled gun. Ooh, nice. I see. As they leave, Domingo tells the story of how he got out of the group of street kids, which involved trying to keep a girl safe from a predator and, you know, the boss of everyone, the jackal. When the jackal made Domingo lick his feet clean... Domingo left, which meant he left the girl behind. Adel wants to comfort Domingo, like to hold his hand maybe, but she changes her mind at the last second. Would you rather lick some dude's feet? Nope. Or anything else? (laughs) Nope. 
Anna is sifting through paperwork, trying to find Atle or Nick, where she finds a report from the sanitation checks about a boy and his dog. She thinks of the boy with Atle and decides to scope out the area to see if anybody nearby has seen her. Jackpot! At the store near the apartment, the cashier said he had seen the girl in the photo and assures him and that she left quickly the other day. While Anna... trying very hard not to count candies on the floor. <laughs> with her tin of tuna and her energy can. <laughs> Anna meets up with Kika to let her know she found Atle, but not Nick though. Kika says to get ready because they're going after Atle soon, and since she never killed a vampire before and Anna has, she has to be there. Anna goes home excited about the money she's making from helping out these criminals because it's going to be enough to get her and her daughter out of Mexico, and honestly, that's all she wants. No, that's it. That's that's a sound goal. Yeah. And a hip hop horse. And a hip hop horse. (laughs) Rodrigo is thinking about his youth before he was a Renfield working for Nick's father and, you know, trying to keep asshole motherfucker uh, Nick in line. It doesn't happen. He liked to drive fast cars, but that's how he got dragged into this life. At least now he has learned about a cop, Anna, who has a lead on Adol. Finally, he'll be able to kill her and move on to something else. (laughs) Then Nick's father calls. He tells Rodrigo that he will not kill Adol because Nick wants to play with her. Oh, great. In his his torture chamber. Adol, Domingo, and Koali leave the apartment so Domingo can eat something and are ambushed by Anna, Kika, and some others. Atl shoots a few of them and Kuali rips the throats from a few more. But then Domingo gets captured and is being shoved into the trunk of a car. Atl gets to kill him and kill him. <laughs> Atl gets to kill him! <laughs> God, that would be good. Atl gets to him and kills his attackers, but she gets hit by a few silver nitrate darts and starts going into shock. She grabs the attacker's keys and they drive away, but then she pukes and everything gets worse. Always worse after you've puked. It is. Domingo takes her into the tunnels and gets the silver darts out, but there's still something wrong with her. Domingo leaves Koali with Atle and goes to get his buddy Quinto, who works on the Jackal's dogfight dogs. Quinto freaks when he sees he's helping a vampire, but Domingo threatens him with Koali. Quinto gets the silver darts out and Atle is able to rest. But then the Jackal shows up. Adol dreams of her sister's death, and while there have been scenes before in the book of running and guns and turtles and decapitated heads, this dream has more detail. Adol is mad that Nick and his gang killed their mother and some cousins, but now that Izel is in charge, she decides to do nothing to retaliate, which makes the others in their family think that she's weak and honestly kind of samesies. Adol, though younger and the unloved second daughter, refuses to let this slide, so she sneaks out to the Godoy place, kills a pregnant concubine and several teens, and returns home. Izel is pissed because she knows they're going to come for them now, and they do. Instead of fighting, Adol hides in a refrigerator, a small, safe, cozy little space. 
when she comes out, everyone's dead. Koali trots up, though, somehow, still alive, and they run. Atal wakes up in a holding cell where the jackal keeps his dogs. She's desperately weak from the silver poison, but wants to fight her way out. She refuses to take blood from Domingo, sure that she'll kill him with barely a second thought. She wants to drain him dry, but she doesn't want to at the same time, because she wants to keep him safe. Maybe she'll drink him later. She tries to get up and promptly goes down again. The jackal comes with his entourage and is posturing and preening and talking about getting lots of money from the Godoy gang for capturing her. But then he gets a call from them. They've arrived, so he's got to go and greet them. Suddenly, Adol has a seizure, and Quinto rushes into the cell with epinephrine. <laughs> Just kidding. She's not having a seizure. She takes the needle and shoves it into Quinto's eye, then tosses the knife she keeps in her jacket directly into another guy's forehead. She breaks another's neck and then drinks from the jackal's girl that he left behind, but Domingo stops her from draining her dry and convinces her to leave through a back entrance while they can. Nick is being a twat. <laughs> Father! Full time. My horse! I want a hip-hop horse. <laughs> My hip-hop horse. I, there is more to that sentence. Well, Nick is being a twat, but even still, Rodrigo <laughs> invites him to go with him to retrieve Atle. When they get to the jackal's place, they discover Atle has escaped, but not long ago, so they catch up. Violent fights, bites and face, gunshots ensue. But luckily, Atle, Koali, and Domingo manage to escape again. Poor Nick is now missing half his jaw. Womp womp. And lots and lots of teeth. But he did get a good bite on Atle's hand before she shot his face off. Which isn't <laughs> going to be great for either of them. No. No, it's not. Mm-mm. Domingo leads Adol away from the jackal's place. And just as she's about to eat him... They make it far enough away and find a cab. Adol chokes the driver and gets him to take them to Bernardino's. At first, Bernardino doesn't want to let them in, but he finally relents. Then he realizes how badly Adol is injured. Her bite wound from Nick and the infection it caused will kill her in her silver-weakened state, so their only option is to amputate. Right now. Ooh. Ooh. Bernardino, who used to be a surgeon a hundred years ago, saws off Atle's hand. But don't worry, it'll grow back. Then he heals her and takes away her hunger with his revenant life force. Afterward, she can get up and move around easily so they get cleaned up. Atle needs help getting dressed and Domingo shows up just in time. Atle hates needing help and not knowing what's next, so she cries as Domingo hugs her. Imagine she didn't cry for a dead sister or mother, but now she's crying over her hand. What is she doing? Oh, she pushes Domingo away. One-handed. One-handed. Domingo leaves and takes a bath and puts on a handsome outfit set out for him. As he's contemplating going to be with Adol, Bernardino stops him and tells him that no good can come from the two of them and his infatuation with her. In the end, vampires are only their hunger, nothing more. Domingo goes to Adol anyway, and she invites him in her room and to sleep in her bed, because she'll be sleeping in the trunk at the foot of it. Tiny little safe 
little snuggle place. As they talk about vampires a little and about how Adol's killed several people, almost him a few times even, so he should just go. But Domingo refuses to leave her. Rodrigo pulls Nick away from the boy he's mutilating with his half jaw to clean him up and bandage his wounds. Nick is furious that Rodrigo let Atle get away, but obviously he had to take care of the idiot Nick instead. Rodrigo mentions that Atle had been poisoned with silver nitrate, which means that someone else wants her dead too, and he knows who that is, Detective Anna. Rodrigo plans to seek her assistance, but first Nick has to heal. Rodrigo buys a prostitute for him to eat. Adel wakes to music playing from Bernardino's record player. He checks out her wound, and they discuss how her mother and sister died, and then Bernardino shares the story of how he met Adel's mother. She rescued him on horseback during the revolution, even though they were of different vampire clans, which is normally frowned upon. They stayed friendly, or at least as allies, for a long time. He gave her a jade necklace, which is where the jade bead Adel had at the beginning came from. Her mother told both Adel and Giselle that if they showed Bernardino those beads, he would help. And he has. Domingo arrives then, and they discuss going to meet with Elisa to retrieve their papers. Domingo offers to go alone because Adel is so weak, but she vehemently disagrees. Bernardino agrees with Domingo that Adel is not at her best, but offers to go with them to lend her his strength. Anna is pissed. Because of the violent vampire massacre at the Jackals, she has been replaced as the lead in finding Atl and Nick. Kika calls and, at a nearby restaurant, they discuss how even though Anna's not in charge anymore, she's still valuable to Deep Crimson and that they still want her help. Anna goes back to the police station trying to decide if she's still going to help the gang when a witness comes in. Anna speaks to the man who turns out to be the cab driver who took Atl, Domingo and Koali to Bernardino's. Anna takes a tip and decides to continue helping Deep Crimson. Adel, Bernardino, and Domingo meet up with Elisa, who, after seeing the massacre on the news, has decided she can no longer smuggle Adel and Domingo out of Mexico City. She still provides their documentation, though, which is good, but how will they get out of the city? Domingo knows exactly how. They'll walk. There is a trash dump that crosses over the border that no one but the people who work there know about. It'll be easy! Sure. Sure it will. Mm Mm-hmm. But then, how will they get into Guatemala? Bernardino knows a guy, Manuel, so they go speak to him next. He needs a little time to prepare and a little cajoling, but eventually they have made an escape plan. Bernardino heals Adel again before they leave his place. Because everyone was right. She's really, really weak. But she's okay again for now. When they get back to Bernardino's place, Atle and Domingo argue a bit about Domingo calling her weak. But really, he just wants her to be safe and even apologises for sounding like a dick. Atle doesn't deal well with needing help, but now she needs his help again to get undressed. They end up sleeping together, which is what they both probably wanted all along, more or less. Anna goes to a contact she has in search of information about the location where the taxi driver took Adel, Domingo, and Kuali. She heard once that a vampire lived in that neighborhood, but didn't know for sure. 
After meeting with this sleazy guy who owns a tea shop that is probably actually a cover for a brothel, she knows that a vampire really does live there. On her way back home, she gets a call from the Godoy gang, who threaten to kill her daughter if she doesn't meet with them. So she does. Rodrigo and Nick question Anna about how she knew about the vampires, and she plays dumb. But then Nick bites her and feeds her his blood, putting her under his control. Anna explains she's been working with Deep Crimson and tells them where Adel is now and says that she was going to call and tell Deep Crimson. They allow her to do that in the hopes that their gang will get to her first and make their capture easier. They're not very smart. Just go straight there. Domingo and Atle, naked in bed, talk about vampires and whether or not, as an anti-tech vampire, she can fly. Kind of, yes. She has wings, but she flies more like a turkey than anything else but she can glide and her wings are beautiful domingo wants to see them but adel's wings are private and then they talk about seeing each other completely naked so she decides she will show him she unfurls her huge and glorious shiny black wings and unfolds domingo in them it's a sexy wing reveal (laughs) and talk of turkeys is involved (laughs) Hip-hop holes. I will torture the turkey next to my hip-hop holes. Later, Bernardino checks on Adel's hand. It's growing back slowly, and he thinks she won't have any damage or scarring. He asks her about her developing relationship with Domingo and what her mother would say if she knew Adel was in a relationship with a human. Well... She's dead. She's not going to say anything. (laughs) Bernadino thinks it's a bad idea, but Adol craves a companion and a connection. So Bernadino can go go to hell for all she's concerned. Domingo knows Bernadino said something to her, and Adol knows she shouldn't lose her head over a boy. But here she is, despite Bernadino's repetitions that vampires are nothing but their hunger. In the middle of the night, Kuali barks just once. <gasps> Intruders! Anna and Kika and some cronies have broken in. Atal climbs on the ceiling in a dark in the darkness like a lizard and drops down, taking out a couple of cronies. But then she's flashed with UV light. There's a shout for Kika to hit Atal with a huge dose of silver nitrate, and so blind and about to be silvered, Atal raises her hands to protect herself. But then there's a shout from Domingo. Two gunshots and the smell of blood. Anna is being controlled by Nick and is disgusted by the thoughts going through his head about what he wants to do with Adol and his plans to kill Anna and her daughter after he has Adol, but she can't do anything about it. He telepathically tells her he wants Adol alive, so instead of letting Kika dose her with the silver, Anna shoots Kika and the remaining crony. Then, she's knocked out by Domingo. As she's down, she regains her own thoughts, so that's good, but she watches and listens as Adel, Bernardino, and Domingo make hasty plans to get Kowali and escape to the trash dump. They leave, and shortly after, Nick arrives. 
He feeds Anna his blood again to put her back under his control and is pissed that Adel got away again. But Anna knows where they're going and tells him whether she wants to or not. Ooh, Nick is such a dick. Adel, Domingo, Bernardino and Quali run down the street, steal a car and drive to the landfill. Unfortunately, they don't make it very far in before they realise their pursuers have caught up. Bernardino convinces Domingo to hide with Koali and Atle gives him a knife. Domingo doesn't want to leave Atle, but does, as they say. Not too long after he gets into a hiding place, a man shines a flashlight in his face and tells him to come out. Koali growls and attacks and the man aims a gun at the dog, so Domingo rushes him with the knife. It barely stops him, but then Koali attacks again, this time going for the man's throat. Just when Domingo thinks everything's fine, Koali gets shot and a woman brings him outside. <laughs> no. no! Not the bitch! Nick is, of course, pissed about having to go into a landfill, but sees Domingo run and hide, so he sends La Bola and Anna to retrieve him. As he's waiting, he hears a startled sound from Rodrigo, who has just been attacked by Bernardino. Nick sends two goons to take Bernardino down, but they are terrified of him and both get eaten almost immediately. As Bernardino is distracted with his meal, Nick pins him down with a metal rod. Nick then realizes that Rodrigo is still alive, but practically a mummy. So he laughs in his face before crushing his skull. Anna arrives in with Domingo and without La Bola. Oh well. Nick zaps Domingo with a cattle prod and gives Adel to the count of three to come save him. Adel just wants to run. She hid when her sister was murdered. She's nothing. She's not brave. She's not a warrior. But she's also not leaving Domingo behind. She arrives just as Nick reaches the end of his countdown. They have a standoff, Nick holding Domingo, but then Domingo stabs Nick with Atle's knife. He's stunned more than hurt, but then Atle attacks, ripping the knife from his belly and driving it into Nick's eye. They fight, and then Anna shows up and shoots Atle. Atle breaks a few of Anna's ribs, and she pulls a silver bullet out as Nick comes at her with the knife. Then Domingo is there and crashes the metal bar that was holding Bernardino in place, into Nick's head. Nick roars and Atle can tell he's going to kill Domingo so she leaps at Nick, wings unfurling and flies him off the ground, her talons digging into his face. Yes. Anna comes back to herself for a few moments and is able to shoot Nick, but then he controls her mind again and makes her kill herself. As she's dying, free from his mind control, she's pleased to see Bernardino approach Nick. Nick is trying desperately to bite Adel, and she's holding him at bay with her talons, but then Bernardino grabs his head and drains him of his life energy. His eyes shrivel up, his hair falls out, and his teeth pop out too. When Adel sees Bernardino again, his hair is black instead of gray, and his skin is less wrinkled. But then, he comes for her, too. It's true what he said. They are their hunger, after all. She's not afraid of dying, but asks that Bernardino spare Domingo's life. Bernardino grabs Adel by the throat and breathes his life 
back into her. <sighs> Domingo rushes over to make sure Atle and Bernardino are okay, and then Bernardino sends them on their way to meet Manuel so he can smuggle them out of Mexico. They part ways and Atle asks where Koali is, but Domingo has to tell her that he was shot and is probably dead. They walk on through the dump and out onto the street, and when Atle takes an envelope out of the bag with all their papers and money and gives the bag to Domingo, she tells him she's going on alone, that she doesn't need him anymore. He's crushed and fights for her, but she kisses him one last time and says she will get him killed, and then she leaves him behind. Oof. Domingo lets Adel go. He turns and walks back through the dump and hears a small whimper. It's Koali! And he's alive! Domingo finds the dog and a shopping cart, puts him inside, and together they leave the landfill. Some days later, Domingo, resting with Koali at his side, has a dream of Adol, cutting her way through the jungle with a machete. He says her name, and she looks up and smiles as if she heard him speak, but continues on her way. Everyone process that for a few minutes. Not for a few minutes, for like 30 seconds, while we play this promo for another podcast. Processing. (laughs) Was it a scary promo? Processing. 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 Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it will be. I don't know what it's going to be for, but it's going to be really hella scary. I don't even know if we have a scary one. Well, why not? We need a scary one. I don't know. Let's find a scary podcast who wants us to share their information with everyone. Yes. These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Okay, so standout moments? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was a hot intro. I like the law. Yeah. That was mwah, beautiful. Yeah, very interesting. Probably my favourite thing about the entire book. Yeah. Like, I like the, the discussion about European vampires and the Mexican vampires and the physiological differences between them. Honestly, yeah. you could do it like an encyclopedia book about it and i would yeah. read the heck out yeah. of it and there's like 10 different types of vampires and they're all different and that's what's in the back of the ebook like there's a there's a chinese one which they do mention in the text but it's like one half of one sentence and they like can barely move at all and it looks like they're floating and then there's another one that like glows in the dark like <laughs> What are all these super awesome types of vampires, and why aren't we always reading about them? Yeah, why does it always have to be the, the stupidly hot studs? I mean, I'll keep the stupidly hot studs, but add yeah, in... But can they glow in the dark? All of the other ones as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of want, like, 
a vampire book now, which is sort of like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, where mm-hmm. each of the vampires are different types of vampire. And then mm-hmm. The Bachelor or The Bachelorette has to pick which vampire she wants. And she goes for like the weirdest one. Yeah. Not the studly hot one. No, the, the one that one. like glows the that one that, that glows in the dark or the one that glows in the dark. Move. Yeah. Like, yeah. We just had such a connection. <sighs> they yeah. listen to everything that I can say. Yeah. They just I can't tell. I think that the the Chinese one that doesn't move very much, like they have the ability to put their consciousness into like a human for a little while. And so if the bachelor or the bachelorette chooses that person, do they also get to choose like a human that their consciousness can go into? Well, I mean, they may have it's their two own, for one. you know, Renfield that they use to do that. You know, the person who they feel yeah. most comfortable sharing their Inhabiting. Inhabiting. Possessing. Yeah. yeah. Possessing. A puppet is a possession that possesses the possessor. <laughs> Callback. Yes. This yes. one is full of callbacks, though, by the way. Really? Can I skip ahead Go. to my surprise? Yes. That there was a needle in the eye oh. and the sawing off of a hand. Yes. And a dog hero. Like, yes. didn't we literally just read this book last week? This, this one has more vampires in, but. And, and, That's and true. gangs, but yeah. Yeah. Needle in the eye and sawing off hands. How? That's like not a thing that you read about every day, but clearly we're reading about it back to back. I I suspect we've missed the haunted doll at some point in this one. There's gotta be a haunted doll. No, no, no. Manuel, who has, uh, who's gonna help them, lives in a place and there's fucking dolls (gasps) pinned to the walls. So no, it's there. (gasps) Pupkin is there. Oh my God. You can't tell me that Pupkin is not like attached Pupkin to that guy's walls. Pupkin, Pupkin is, on is that there. Wall. Pupkin is pulling the strings. Pupkin play! Pupkin play! Pupkin play later, there's a vampire. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's amazing. It's amazing. This is How to Sell a Haunted House, the prequel, because that book came out several years ago, and How to Sell a Haunted House just came out this year. <laughs> there's no original stories, is there? No, except for also, I'm pretty sure this one is set in the future. Yeah, so, it has a dystopian future ring to it, which yeah. I quite like. Do you know the whole idea of the sanitation people who go around and test for diseases and vampirism? But then yeah. they start listing off all the infectious diseases. And I was like, damn, my friend is an infectious disease nurse. I'm like, Fee, you need to up your game here because <laughs> this dystopian future is not good. No. 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 But I did enjoy it. I did like that kind of aspect to it. Yeah. The law, beautiful. Yeah. This is like a very different type of vampire book than oh. we normally would talk about. And oh, I, completely. I kind of love it. I enjoyed it. I struggled with it a little bit because... <sighs> I don't tend to read books where it's like gang violence and drugs and that kind of like mafia almost sort of fighting. I don't tend to read a lot of those. I I struggle to enjoy them. I don't particularly enjoy those as a movie either. Yeah. 
necessarily. Um, eh. I mean, John Wick is the only one I can think of that has any kind of semblance, which I do adore. And yeah. if I'm honest, this had John Wick vibes for me because Nick yeah. was the Alfie Allen character from the first one, a whiny little uh-huh. entitled bitch yeah. who's the son of the gang leader and thinks they deserve absolutely everything and has to have somebody looking after them. It's like, shit, man, you know you're a grown-ass adult, you don't need a babysitter, but quite clearly you do because you're a psychopathic asshole misogynist. Yeah. Nick was the worst. Nick was the freaking worst. I hated Nick. Yeah, he was a fucker. I hated Nick. I am devastated for Anna. I really liked Anna as a character, and I was really rooting for her. I'm thinking, okay, but maybe when she meets Atle, she might not be, you know, the vampire hunter that just automatically killed. They might have a conversation because she seems like she could be a reasonable person and not, you know, mm. shoot first and ask questions later. But then she died because Nick is an asshole and controlled her mind and made her do it. And, oh, I'm so frustrated. Yeah. And I, yeah. having, oh, I'm good for her. Absolutely good. Because I really like that character. And it's one of these, again, where it's like, oh, I really like this character. Oh, they're dead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, I really liked all of the fights between Adel and Nick, and I thought it like it almost was a little bit comical that like every time Adel gets away and Nick's like, "Oh, she got away again!" Like, man, clearly you suck, but like she just keeps escaping, and I kind of liked that. She's wild. Really, yeah. I really loved when they were at the Jackals place and she fakes having a seizure (laughs) because like she was vomiting up blood and stuff it was a serious thing and then she was like nah stab knife neck snap like she committed to the bit wow she was 100% committed to the bit and honestly that scene could have only got better if when she she was like no I'm lying she was like psych if (laughs) she had said psych that would have been it. Oh, honestly, that would have just had me done. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. I really liked Atle as a character as well. Um, What I didn't like was Atle and Domingo's relationship. I like Atle. I like Domingo. Um, I like them as individuals. Yeah. I like them as a friendship, but I did not want them to go into a romantic slash physical relationship i didn't want that it happened yeah it didn't yeah, need to it, in my opinion no it it happened but at least it was only like in i mean the chapters in this book are really short like whenever it switches to a different character most of the time it's a different chapter so their their romancy relationship really only lasted for a couple of chapters like i'm glad that it wasn't drawn out and the whole entire thing is about them being in love with each other and like fucking on every other page i'm glad that that didn't happen yeah, and so. that she did like a lot of the time wanted to keep him alive because she just like cared about him and he obviously is a, you know a goofy ass teenager who's obsessed with vampires 
And so he wants to know everything. And of course, he's going to be infatuated with her because she's beautiful and also a vampire. I feel like that would be us. Yeah. Like if we oh, meet a vampire, oh. we'd just be like, hi. And then like pull our clothes off. <laughs> hey. Hi. 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 Oh, I just. Hey. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. And I, I really loved Domingo's fanboying. Yes. I, I adored it because it was like, yeah, that is so relatable. And the fact he's got all the comics and stuff. And I'm like, I could pull half a dozen vampire books off my shelf right now. And yeah. I'll be like, yeah, okay, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to this type of thing. But if all of... And he's got so many questions. But if all of you, all your education has come from reading comic books and not actually meeting the people... You're going to ask a lot of questions and you're going to ask a lot of cheeky questions. Yeah. I love when he was like, so do you have a vampire boyfriend and he's really big and he wears a cape? She's like, why would he wear a cape? What are you talking about? He's like, capes are cool. Capes may be cool, but they're not very practical. (laughs) But I love it. Like they had, you know, this book was kind of funny. Uh, the Domingo, especially, he was he was the co- he. I'm not going to say he was the comic relief because that feels like I'm giving him a disservice as a character. You know, you think they have the goofy person in just to, and they could take him out, and the story would be better. It can't. Domingo needs to be in there. Domingo is a humanity yeah. Yeah. that all of the char- vampire characters need to have. Even if Rodrigo is technically human, he's been a Renfield for too long, and he's been yeah. around vampires in this well too more along domingo is sweet and innocent bless him yeah yeah and he does fall quickly he does fall hard but i think it's not love and they don't use the l word to my recollection right. i he don't think has an infatuation and he yeah. sees a beautiful lady who is a badass and he appreciates her for being a badass lady as well and yeah. doesn't want her to change and he apologises when he is being the stereotypical male character he's yeah. like oh sorry I didn't mean to do it. He, you know he holds his hands up and apologises whereas yeah. Nick is the absolute you know stereotype antithesis of all this negative toxic masculinity Domingo was the antidote Yes. Oh, you know what? I just I just had to double check. Domingo does at the very end say like, but but I love you. But then <sighs> I was like, nah. Nah dog, I gotta go cut my way through the jungle. Can I forgive him it? He... Yeah, I think I- so. I'm gonna forgive him it. You know, it's at the end. It's at the very end, and she's leaving him, and it's he like parting. you know, and it might not wants... be, but they've been around each other at that point for a fair amount, so yeah, yeah. But I did like the fact that she, Atal explained it, or at least that's how her mother and sister explained it to her: is you don't play with your food. Yes, I really like that. Yeah, me too. Do you know? As much as we were, well, I guess he's still different. I was going to say, as much as we were talking earlier about how, like, we liked the different types of vampires, I really liked Bernardino. 
and his and his powers but now he doesn't drink blood he drinks life force so never mind but i really really liked him me too especially at the end when he just like oozes out of the side and it's just draining people in the background and anna's like see you back there see you back there and he just like walks across and you know eats nick <sighs> while she's dying you know she's well like, yep. if you've got to say something as your last vision you want to see the guy who basically killed you getting the comeuppance yeah which is super satisfying as a reader yeah. like i didn't feel like I don't feel like as I've finished the book I've got too many loose ends that I need to have the second one. I could read this as a standalone. Like, It is a standalone, isn't it? It is at the moment, but it quite, could quite easily, I think, continue. The story could continue. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. Okay. I misunderstood. Sorry. I'm not explaining it well. Like, I've read it and you could stop now and you'd be very satisfied with the story. However, yeah. if there were more to explain you know, how Atl fares in Guatemala, how she probably would come back to Mexico City to get Domingo, and how she would take out Nick's father's family in the Godoys. Yeah. Then I would, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was to come out. But you don't need it. No. Um, I first agree with everything you said. However... I think that maybe more than coming back for Domingo, she would come back for Kuali. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> she would definitely come back for her dog. Yes. She would John Wick some people for her dog. Yes. Which is, again, another reason I was getting these total John Wick's vibes because of the dog. Yeah. And I thought, if anything happens to Kuali, I'm going to riot. Yeah. My two was... favorite characters were Kuali and Bernardino. Same. 100% same. Although I do I do enjoy Adol and I do enjoy Domingo like so much. I I really liked all of like most of the characters. My third choice would probably have been Anna. Yeah. I mean, I liked Kika too. She, she was very peppy. Long, but yeah, I liked her. <laughs> I didn't trust her because she sounded so perky. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't um, trust perky people. <laughs> no. Um something else that I really loved and that it was given a name. And I don't know that I've ever heard this name before. I've never heard this term. Arithmomania. Which is apparently what it's called when you have the compulsion to count things. <laughs> and that was in this one. Yes. It was in this book. And we've been talking about that for the past, like, I don't think we can talk about it anymore, Claire. I don't think we can say, oh, you never see it in books anymore. Like, because it's no, literally No, I think we need to it. stop. We need to think of something else. We do. This is the fictional hangover power all over again. We manifest things. You're right. What What can we manifest now in vampire books? Capes. <laughs> capes. We're bringing back capes. Yes. Bring, yes. Yes. Um, weird fucking vampires instead of sexy hot vampires. Okay. Should we start on one and then? Yeah, we've got arithmomania taken care of. That's sorted. We brought that back resurrected done yeah now we need to resurrect freaky ass vampires of different types yes and some of them might actually literally be resurrected that would be superb <laughs> yeah um do you know what i'm thinking about this bloody bachelor bachelorette vampire book in my head now yes 
And I actually think it needs to be an anthology where different writers write the different dates for the different vampires. Yes, that would be amazing. Or that could be Claire, the book that we write. The fictional hangover. One of the many books that we need to write. Right, because we have so many. We have so many ideas. We should probably start writing these. (laughs) We really maybe should. I mean, there are some podcasts out there that exist in the world that have books. I feel like at this point, we're five years in. We need to write. Okay, right. I'm on the Google Drive. New Google Doc. Book ideas for us to write. (laughs) Yes. Okay, we need that, to that, do it. That's a bit long. It, it's now book ideas we author. Yes. And also, you know, we've got some super fans that are editors and authors. Like, it could be a whole fictional hangover collaboration. Oh my god, we could do a vampire book club anthology. We could. And we should. There's one more thing that I like that I want to say, but I think we've probably talked about pretty much everything. Um... I really appreciated the fact that, like, the end, it, it wasn't a happy ending. Yes. Which we've talked about that before in several episodes, how we like that. Like, it doesn't have to be wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. And they don't have to be happily in love at the end. Yes. I appreciated that. I did as well. So much. Yeah. I think as well, Atl and Domingo, not, I'm not saying that the age gap is a problem because... It's not weird. I mean, he's 17, she's 21, 22. Yeah. Something 23, like. I 23. think. 23. Yeah. It feels different because she's older. If it was a male to female, it's more of a grooming age crap, isn't it? Um, yeah. But I feel like they've both had their own personal growth within their time together. Mm-hmm. That it's right that they separate. Yeah. I appreciated it. I liked it. Definitely. I feel like there's like more that I want to talk about, but but I feel like we talked about everything. This book also wasn't super long to begin with. No, I think the audio, but we haven't talked about the audiobook. Oh, we need to talk about so the audiobook. Yes. Think about what we said the at the beginning. This is part two of the conversation. Yes. I have mixed feelings about the audiobook. There was parts of it I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Bernardino's narration. Yes. Because it was like deep and husky. Yes. And you can imagine like single malt whiskey kind of voice. Yeah. And it had like a gentle accent. It was probably a more gentle accent, I thought, out of all mm. of them. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure about it. Yeah, there's something that that I didn't that I didn't like very much and this happens in plenty of other books as well. And like it even happens in the print version sometimes. I don't think it happened in the print version of this one. Um but there were a lot of words which we thankfully for both of our sanities left out of the summary of this book. There was so much really cool Aztec language and like 
people people's names and place names and important like beliefs in Adel's religion and all of this stuff with all of these amazing words but then like at the same time whenever some of those words were said in the narration it was like said with a different inflection so Mm. you know it's a special word and I believe you know in in the book we're meant to believe that they are speaking Spanish to each other because why would they be speaking English? They're in fucking Mexico City. So I believe that we are led to believe that they are speaking Spanish the whole time, but obviously this book is written, you know, in English. Yes. Because there's one scene where they're talking about, like, where they're going to go after they go to Guatemala. And I was like, let's go to Brazil. And D'Amico's like, but uh, they don't speak Spanish in Brazil. And she's like, that's what you're worried about. (laughs) You're traveling with a vampire across borders and you're worried about not speaking the language so that's fine but there were just there were just sometimes the inflection changed and i didn't like it i agree i think i think you've hit the nail on the head there that's probably what kind of startled me out of the story perhaps yeah it's like when an accent or a voice of a character just is wrong yeah, and it, it and it, it it's jarring. And I think that I think yeah, you're right. And like the narrator, which I feel badly because I don't recall her name. I literally just looked al- it up and I've totally forgotten it. <laughs> she already has a like beautiful, fantastic voice and an you know a slight accent that fits with the story. I just feel like we didn't need to spice up some of those words. I think it would have been fine without it because it was beautiful. The narration was great and all the characters sounded great and like everything was fantastic. But then there were just those words and you're like, help. The um, narrator, which I've just put into our notes. Ada Ida Relusco. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And like I said, she did a fantastic job and her voice was beautiful and it was melodic and... I don't know. It was great, but then there were just those words that, like, why do you have to pronounce it so, like, like it was underlined? You know, stressing the, some of the words, and yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. Took me out of it. I think, given what you said about that, what was the back of the book, I probably encourage people to pick the book to get that lore and those discussions and that extra yeah. information. That's yeah. not covered in the, the audio. Yeah, it was not in the audiobook. The audio was not bad. Not bad at all. No, but it was jarring But it sometimes. was just jarring. There was just bits and pieces that just didn't quite f- feel smooth. Um, yeah. So I'm glad that you were able to pick up on the specifics, actually. I'm just double-checking the print book to see if any of this neat stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. No, this is a little bit different. There's a glossary in the back of the print and it, but it does have the different types of vampires, but it also has vampires in the modern era and vampire religion. And then, no, and then it has 
very interesting words in the back and it describes what a Renfield is. So that's neat. The print copy also has neat stuff in the back. How fun is that? Love it. Because it. it's different to what is in the back of <laughs> this book. There's an interview with her. There's this small vampire encyclopedia. The Encyclopedia Vampirica. Ooh. Um, and there's the interview. And then there's there's this section called I Never Drink Wine. <laughs> and there's a recipe for a drink called the Revenant. Oh. And one called uh, Tanampa Punch. So it's just a fun drink that they would probably enjoy. And then there's discussion questions, too, which I think is very neat. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, and those are, they're good questions, too. That's fun. How fun. Discussion questions, which we never include in our discussions. <laughs> no, we don't. But it's serious stuff, and we rarely oh. talk about serious things. We were talking about a hip-hop horse, for goodness sake. I was sake. about to say the exact same fucking thing. For half of the book, we're talking about a hip-hop horse. I need a hip hop horse. Chamber. Chamber. My torture chamber. Chamber. So I think it's time to play Would You Rather now. <laughs> right? <sighs> I can only Bing. think it's probably for best. Would you rather? We asked on social media, Would you rather? Be a vampire with shark-like teeth or bird-like talons. On Facebook, 61% are having bird-like talons. On Instagram, 60% said bird-like talons. On Twitter, 67% said talons. And TikTok, teeth with 68%. Ah, okay. We have comments. We do have comments. Colin. Constance. Oh, ha ha ha. I only started at the same time. Do you want to go first? Sure. This one's shorter. Constance on Facebook said, give me them claws. I'll be able to give others and myself the best back scratches. I like a good back scratch. Yes, aim. (sighs) Yeah. Okay. Colin on Facebook said, I'd only like the bird-like talons if I could also fly. I'd be swooping in and, and picking up children and small animals all bloody day, dropping them from a great night height to crack open their tough shells, exposing their tasty, tasty meat underneath. Now, shark teeth come with their own set of positives and negatives. Negative, shark teeth will get in the way as much as the bird talons will. Positive, I've got motherfucking shark teeth, motherfucker. I'll just numb my way through whatever gets put in my way. Car, numb. Stick, numb. Tough shell children and small animals such as cats, numb, fucking numb. That doesn't answer the question, does it? I suppose you want me to choose now. I decide to live my hideous, muted, freaky life as some kind of weirdo, no matter what I choose. Well, I won't. I'm not dancing to your tune, organ grinders. Find yourself another monkey. To which he replied, teeth, definitely teeth. (laughs) That was brilliant. (laughs) 
it did also come with an apology to whoever has to read it. <laughs> Coral on Facebook says, I would have to go with talons because if I'm a vampire, I already have sharp teeth. She has. A very good point. Vincent on Facebook said, shark-like teeth. All of the biting, all the time. All vampires all the time. Yes. Bitey, bitey, all <laughs> biting all the time. Author friend PC Cast on Facebook said, definitely talons. I'd paint them awesome colors. <laughs> and Nina on Facebook said, shark teeth, talons would be an inconvenience. What if I need to pick up paper clips or wipe myself? But with a never ending supply of renewing teeth, I'd be set. Constant chomping, nighttime gnashing, fist fights. It doesn't matter. I'll be growing a new layer soon. That's a good point. Spooky Aurelian on Instagram says, I think bird-like talons. But this is a really good question. I'll be thinking about it for a while. <laughs> I like that. I like to get inside people's heads. Nice. Sharon Joy Reed on Instagram said, definitely the talons. Imagine the dentist fees for those teeth. Oh. Well, they do, but you just drop out, it's fine. Glim Glam Jen on Instagram says, I'm going with bird talons. Imagine the nail art you could get. Plus, I just think the shark teeth would be a bad deal for kissing and going to the dentist. I agree about the kissing. Because, like, when you kiss, if your teeth hit together, like, that's uncomfortable. And you got a whole mouthful of chompers. And they're all, like, not even in the different sizes and... They're I looked at a place. lot of shark mouths this past week, and they are ugly. Yeah, they are all over the place. Well, Psycho Noodle on Instagram is going for the teeth. I enjoy having the dexterity of fingers and thumbs. Hmm. The Tourmaline Renegade on Instagram says, I think I could deal with the teeth by never smiling. Same. Yeah. I like that. Uh, most uh, everybody at the library wanted shark teeth too because they love sharks they like shark characters they just like sharks apparently everyone at the library likes sharks apparently it was shark week at the library but not shark, shark week. week it was shark week <sighs> yeah yeah okay well what about you <sighs> probably the talons yeah yeah, because, and so I know somebody said that like the like dexterity of having the thumbs, but we're saying they have the talent, so it's the nail aspect. Mm. So you know, I'm keeping my talent, my, my thumbs. Yeah, I just think. Well, my nails are horrible anyway. And she always wears gloves. Yeah, which I think is a very neat thing that she she wears gloves to cover up because like her the tips of her fingers are like you know black yes talon looking but they do transform mm -hmm. but at least if you've got talent if you're in a fight i'm not having to actually put my mouth onto the person i'm trying to beat up yeah 
So but, I'm gonna go talk. I mean, at the same at the same time with that, you're a vampire, so you're fine with putting your mouth on people. Well, that's true, but usually it's I don't know. I just find I I feel like I'm, I feel better with the talons than I do with the shark teeth. Possibly because I've been looking at a lot of shark teeth pictures, and they're just yeah. they're not nice. Do you know what else? Have you ever seen um, X-rays or pictures of sc- children's heads, baby skulls? Yeah. And you just see the rows and rows of the teeth waiting to come through. Yeah. Freaks the shit out of me. Like, when my, my little one, he hasn't got all his adult teeth. And I just look and think, Ugh. like, when he was a baby and he didn't have any teeth, I'm just like, it's all in there. It's all waiting to come through. And I was freaking myself over thinking about it. So, no. No. That's Talons. amazing. Talons. Bodies are horribly scary, ridiculously weird things. Yeah. I'm picking talons. I'm picking the teeth. Of course you're Why picking the teeth. Why is this a teeth. question? This is not Why a question, is this a question for, for me. We don't need to ask this question for you. <laughs> Never ask me a question about having scary ass teeth because that is not ass teeth, of course. <laughs> that's a totally different genre of that's a different. That's a different thing. <laughs> it's like vagina dentata. There's also <laughs> ass dentata. Um, <laughs> nope. We asked for that. We did. Um, I I love the idea of terrifying teeth. Like always. This is not a question. End of sentence. Moving on. Done. Next question. <laughs> Would you rather be a Renfield or a Van Helsing? Van Helsing. Uh, Renfield is a slave. But what if you're Renfield like Nicholas Holt is Renfield and he's you get slave. superpowers? Was, yeah, the superpowers Ni- are lovely. But he's Nicholas Holt and he's beautiful. But yeah, but he's still a slave at the end of the day. That's the entire point of the movie. You're right. And the superpowers question, are great. Question change. Question change. Hold on. Mid-sentence question change. Would you rather be Nicholas Holt or who's a good Van Helsing? Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Would you rather be Nicholas Holt or Hugh Jackman? <laughs> was it Mel Brooks um, Van Helsing in Dead Loving It? <laughs> yes! <laughs> now I, I just want to say, she would be a calm one, God, I now I want to watch Vampire Dead Loving. The actor who played Renfield in that. I just remember he was also in Ali McBeal. That's, that's... Uh, yeah, Peter McNichol. Yes. <laughs> I love that movie so much. God, I need to watch that movie again. Me too. I've got a feeling it's not on any of the streaming services. I'm gonna have to try and get a physical copy. Luckily, I own that on DVD. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> Oh dear me! Okay, this is where we just so pause wanna... everybody. Don't mind us; we're just checking what we've we got. We do. Yes. So, do you want to be Nicholas Nicholas Holt, or Hugh Jackman, or Peter McNichol, or Mel Brooks? You're just complicating matters. 
I am going to be a Van Helsing. I am not going to be the slave to the vampire. I'm either going to be the vampire or I'm going to kill the vampire. Or I'm going to be Count Van Helsing and I'm going to be a vampire vampire hunter. That's what's happening. It's it's in the bag. Let's just move on. What, what yes. are you doing? Um, if I get to be Nicholas Holt and have powers, then I'll be a Renfield. But otherwise, yeah, vampire, vampire hunter. Because I'm just thinking Guillermo in What We Do in the Shadows is a Renfield. <laughs> but he's also a vampire hunter. He is. On accident. He, he's, <laughs> it's not on accident, it's genetics. And he, he just accidentally he wants kills to vampires. be a vampire, but Nando's never going to turn him. No. He's never going to be a vampire. And I love Guillermo. Me too. Me too. I also love it when he absolutely kicks vampire arses. And he's yes. genetics just kick in. And the, the one where his family's visiting and they're all just chasing after Nadia. And they're all like just whopping these stakes and with precision. <laughs> okay. Very good. Moving on. Sorry. Next question. Let's do your next question. Would you rather sleep in a refrigerator, a closet, or a trunk? A trunk. I'm choosing a trunk. I feel like can we I feel like can, a we, closet... can we clarify? Is it trunk of a car or like a travel no, trunk? No, tr- uh, like a travel trunk. Yes. Yeah. Um. I feel like that would be the flattest. Yes, <laughs> and the easiest to get out of because like if you're in a closet i mean nobody could tell in the before times that i was you know recording in a closet because i had like fabric and stuff up around me but it was hard to get in and out of there so and and a refrigerator i'm just afraid that like the seal would shut and i wouldn't be able to get out do you remember that time that i got in the refrigerator for that book character cosplay when i was cinderella is dead and i got in the refrigerator that was terrifying and i had to have my husband standing outside of it although he was also acting in the video for me like you have got to open this door it is scary as fuck in here (laughs) and it was cold (laughs) The things we do for this podcast. No, I haven't done anything like that in a long, long time, and it really makes me sad. This is why people should join our Patreon to get to see, like, you know, encourage us to do things like that. Yes. Getting into fridges. At least if you're in the refrigerator, you know, as we learned from the Indiana Jones movie that will remain nameless and does not really exist, you could survive a nuclear explosion. I want to go trunk just because if I'm going to do the vampire thing then I can wake up in the morning and slam the door open and then just yes that's right it is also the most coffin like (laughs) yeah yeah you're right that's another good reason to choose trunk next question You're not participating at all. Bystander. Would you rather witness the fight at the factory or the landfill? Landfill. Because I just want to see 
Bernardino going around, sucking the life force out of everybody, turning them into mummies, and then eventually getting Nick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a that was very good. But also, Claire, you have to keep in mind that you're surrounded by garbage. I have a terrible sense of smell. Okay. And I will bring okay. wet wipes. Okay. I do really like that fight. It was very, very good. And like Adol with her wings coming out and, you know, clawing up his face with her talons. That was pretty great. But I don't know. I really want to see her have a fake seizure <laughs> and stab somebody in the eye and throw a knife across the room in someone's forehead. I just thought that was really cool. Well, you watch that one. I'll watch the other one and then we can compare notes. Or, like, we've got our phones with us. We can record and we can show each other. It's true. It's true. Um, I just had a thought. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, well, and I don't, I don't know if this is going to be good. Oh, no. When Adol picks up Nick at the end in her bird form, she's, like, got a hold of his face with her talons. However... Her hand is growing back. She doesn't have a full hand at that time. She might have had three fingers. That's probably enough to pick somebody up with. Yeah. But like when her hand when she transforms, is her is her bird hand also growing back? It would have to be. Yeah. Because at the end, it's like, you know, she's got her she's got her hand back. But that's questionable. Hmm. I feel like I need to reread that section. But it doesn't say anything about, hmm. like, a half talon. She's like, she just grabs him in the face. Is it her feet? It depends. She have feet talons? Well, yeah. Because she could. Well, th- do- does it explain where what happens to her arms? Does she retain her arms, or do the arms become part of the wing? I believe she still has arms. Okay. so Because the wings come out of her back. I think it might be her feet. Feet talons? Yeah. So she just, like, bursts out of her shoes? And then she has really dexterous toes. Well, they are talons. They're bird feet. Maybe but it's, it's not maybe explained it's hands- if she has the same amount of digits in human form as she does in bird form. No. So no. it could it might not be that she's got Sorry. I feel like if that were the case, she wouldn't be so sad about losing her hand. Cause like if she only has, you know, three fingers like this with their talons, I feel like she wouldn't be that upset. No, about I th- having... I think she's got five digits. I think she she she's human passing in human form. Yeah. These are important questions. I don't think we're going to get the answer unless the author gave it to us. Or if it's in the back of either the ebook or the physical book. It might be. There's your homework. Re- yeah. Homework. We can talk about it in Vampire Book Club. Yes. And this video is going to be going up, you know, soon. So everyone will have access to it. So if you want to join in on this discussion, come to Vampire Book Club on Tuesday. Last Check our Facebook would for details. You are there. And we will ask you guys at Vampire Book Club.
Would you rather be the minder for the son of a vampire gang leader who is an annoying prick of a vampire, or kills uh, who also kills indiscriminately and leaves a trail of bodies behind you to deal with, or be a female cop on a crooked force known as a, being a vampire hunter who no one respects and you're surrounded by misogyny? I'm a badass female cop. Fine. I don't want to have to hang out with fucking Nick and babysit Nick. I I couldn't do that. Nah. Nah, nah. dog. Uh-uh. Nah, dog. No. Not happening. I'd rather go on a growing rampage of revenge in the force. <laughs> yeah. I'd much Change rather be a badass Peter. female cop. I'd be a badass female cop who's been on the force too long and has to leave and set up her own private detective agency. Consult- yeah. Consultancy. Yeah. And you're like kind of grizzled. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you've been at it for too long. There is a homicide detective in a book that we're going to be talking about in a couple of weeks' time. Who is also my favourite character in the book. <laughs> and you are going to freaking love her. No, okay. I'm excited. I'm excited about this. All right. Um, favorite final thought quote? Uh, what do you got? Two, four, four, four. Ah, ah, ah. I counted, like, counted. Count. <laughs> he also liked stories and comic books about vampires. They seemed exotic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the do, Domingo. Yeah, the do. This time, she did attempt a small amount of kindness. Probably because she was tired or, you know, going crazy. <laughs> I love that one. Freaking relatable. <laughs> you can't go around believing that you're shit, all right? I said it was a shitty job, not that you were shitty. I have said something very similar very recently to someone. And it infuriates me. It's a shitty job. You aren't shitty. The yeah. circumstances are shitty, not you. Not you. Another thing that I think I say quite often is <laughs> kill and fuck, kill and fuck. All the same for them and the same for us all, eventually. I had a feeling you were going to pick that one because I feel like you said it before. Like, all vampires care about is killing and, killing and fucking. Killing and fucking. It's very good. What do you got? Um, let's see. God, there's, I, I got some good ones, I feel like. Humans are not very nice either, Domingo said. Domingo didn't want to say that everyone was an asshole, but many people are assholes. <laughs> um, I'm not interested in discussing vampires in cheap novels <laughs> when that they were having that conversation i was like but we are we'll talk to us we'll do it it's yes nice. and then also following up with this one but then again i've never been a big reader of romance books <laughs> same Kill and fuck, kill and fuck. (laughs) And finally, 
aren't you averse to people and noise and, well, everything? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. People. Same, Bernardino. <laughs> Same. Okay. <laughs> hmm. If you liked this, try this. What are you going to share? I found this on a Latinx, um, a couple of different actual Latinx um, YA book mm-hmm. lists. Mm-hmm. And it's The Haunting of Alejandra by V. Castro. Alejandra no longer knows who she is. To her husband, she is a wife. And to her children, a mother. To her own adoptive mother, she is a daughter. But they cannot see who Alejandra has become. A woman struggling with a darkness that threatens to consume her. Nor can they see what Alejandra sees. In times of despair, a ghostly vision appears to her. The apparition of a crying woman in a ragged white gown. When Alejandra visits a therapist, she begins exploring her family's history, starting with the biological mother she never knew. As she goes deeper into the lives of the women in her family, she learns that heartbreak and tragedy are not the only things she has in common with her ancestors, because the crying woman was with them too. She is La Lorna, the vengeful and murderous mother of Mexican legend. And she will not leave Alejandra for, until Alejandra follows her mother, her grandmother, and all the women who came before her into the darkness. But Alejandra has inherited more than just pain. She has inherited the strength and the courage of her foremothers, and she will have the, she will have to summon everything they have given her to banish the Lorna forever. I thought that sounded really interesting. Oh, I love the tale of La Llorona too. It's fantastic and there's kind of it's kind of like um like in hex you mm. the the lady who you know the serpent lady who drowns people in the river yeah needs them it's, it's kind of the same thing i love it. It, it i love that it sounded like at first as i was reading the summary for it i was like oh is this going to be like a commentary on mental health perhaps and I'm not sure how well it's going to, you know, address that. But it seemed to be on two or three different lists while I was looking um for that next. And when I start going into the the mythology with La La Lorna, I was like, oh, actually. I was, I was really hoping that as you were reading the summary, I was like, this sounds like, sounds like La Llorona. It does. And I was really hoping that she was going to, like, become her. And I thought, well, that would be amazing. Well, we but don't then know. you said, like, that's true. We don't know. But I was just thinking, like, man, this sounds, that's what that's what the story's going to be about. And then you said it, and I was like, yes. Maybe she does. We don't know. I've not read it. We don't know. You're right. We so don't know. So it could be that they are the crying women, that they are the Yeah, she yeah, she's got to be dragged into the darkness so she can be a creep Become and a murder people. Yeah. yeah. So that would be so good. We'd have to read and find That's out. Fun. But yeah. what have you got? Well, I am going to suggest another Silvia Moreno-Garcia book, Mexican Gothic. Oh, I tried to get to read that last year. But the halls were insane. And by the time the halls at the library yeah. came through, I was deep into summarizing and I never got the chance to read it. Yeah. I did get to read it. 
and it was very interesting. Oh, okay. So here's the summary. After receiving a frantic letter from her newlywed cousin begging for someone to save her from a mysterious doom, Noemi Taboda heads to High Place, a distant house in the Mexican countryside. She's not sure what she will find. Her cousin's husband, a handsome Englishman, is a stranger, and Noemi knows little about the region. Noemi is also an unlikely rescuer. She's a glamorous debutante, and her chic gowns and perfect red lipstick are more suited for cocktail parties than amateur sleuthing. But she's also tough and smart with an indomitable will, and she's not afraid. Not of her husband, not of her cousin's new husband, who is both menacing and alluring. Not of his father, the ancient patriarch who seems to be fascinated by Noemi. And not even of the house itself, which begins to invade Noemi's dreams with visions of blood and doom. Her only ally in this inhospitable abode is the family's youngest son. Shy and gentle, he seems to want to help Noemi, but might also be hiding dark knowledge of his family's past. For there are many secrets behind the walls of High Place. The family's once colossal wealth and faded mining empire kept them from prying eyes, but as Noemi digs deeper, she unearths stories of violence and madness. And Noemi mesmerized by the terrifying yet seductive world of High Place, may soon find it impossible to ever leave this enigmatic house behind. Ooh. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. Did not go the way I thought it was going to go, but was pretty delicious at the same time. Oh, I need to read it. Yeah. Do we have anything in the new indie spotlight? <laughs> we do. Um, It's not indie. This time, okay. which we don't always do indie. No, That's no. why it's called new and indie. Or sometimes just um, a spotlight. <laughs> sometimes just a spotlight, yeah. Uh, so this one is also by Sylvia Marie <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Hey, take that apology back. I insist. <laughs> this one is called Silver Nitrate, and it comes out in just a few weeks on July 18th. Montserrat has always been overlooked. She's a talented sound editor, but she's left out of the boys' club running the film industry in 90s Mexico City. Hello, a fantastic 90s book. It'll be great. And she's all but invisible to her best friend, Tristan, a charming, if faded, soap opera star, though she's been in love with him since childhood. Then Tristan discovers his new neighbor is the cult horror director Abel Ureta, and the legendary auteur claims he can change their lives, even if his tale of a Nazi occultist imbuing magic into highly volatile silver nitrate stock sounds like sheer fantasy. The magic film was never finished, which is why Yoretta swears his career vanished overnight. He's cursed. Now the director wants Montserrat and Tristan to help him shoot the missing scene and lift the curse, but Montserrat soon notices a dark presence following her, and Tristan begins seeing the ghost of his ex-girlfriend. 
As they work together to unravel the mystery of the film and the obscure occultist who once roamed their city, Montserrat and Tristan may find that sorcerers and magic are not only the stuff of movies. Ooh. There are so many good things in that summary. <laughs> Where to start? Sounds fantastic. It, does. it comes out in a couple weeks. Nice. They'll probably be getting that one immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is already in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably have already purchased it for the library, actually. <laughs> it's fine. So that's it for this episode of fictional hangover well before we talk about what we're reading next amanda i need to remind you that our next vampire book club episode is going to be a live it is going to be a live episode and it's also going to be weird so we just i feel like we need to just say in advance like <laughs> sorry for how weird it's gonna be because like i'm gonna be on vacation yeah and just the way the recording schedule is lining up like we were gonna do you know 250 episode live but like vacation time and stuff it didn't quite line up no and i suspect i've I've got a few work commitments as well in july so like we're probably both gonna be like out of our comfort zone because yeah i don't know it's gonna be we can't record a proper episode so the easiest thing to do is alive is alive yes because it won't won't, it won't be as long It's just just plain easier for us to do it that way. So we are going to do a live. And it's going to be on Friday, the 21st of July. So it's in time for Vampire Book Club. And it'll be in time for the audio to be ready for the podcast. We haven't got a time set yet. Because, like I say, there's certain things that we need to work out logistics-wise. But it's probably going to be in the evening like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on vacation. I'm probably going to need to take a nap. So, like, I don't know. I don't know what time it's going to be. Probably. Poss- possibly the Vampire Book Club use typical time, maybe. Maybe. Maybe we can do that. Maybe that'll be the best time. Keep an eye on our socials, though. We are going to yes. let you know as soon as we can. Yeah. But just be prepared. There is going to be a live on July the 21st. Yes. That sounds great so join us next time as we discuss unfamiliar by Haley newsom look out for our would you rather polls on social media don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on facebook be sure to visit our shop on redbubble at fictionalhangof.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on patreon at patreon.com slash fictional hangover until next time remember the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book
You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you like this episode, check out our others and be sure to rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for her music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>